Welcome to Up Next with Tommy Lee, with influential Christian leaders sharing their passions and purpose in personal conversations. And now, founder and president of Resource Global, managing partner of Barnabas Group Chicago, and your host on Up Next, Tommy Lee. Hi, you're listening to Up Next on AM 1160. My name is Jimmy Lee. My co-host today is Dr. John Feuder. Doc, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Jimmy. Thank you. Usually Tommy is in this chair, but right now he is helping to manage an event um, in the country of Indonesia for marketplace leaders and entrepreneurs out there. So Doc and I will be here for the next half an hour to an hour um, for this segment. So thank you for joining. And also our guest today is Jim Chrisman. Jim is a retired Sicko Petroleum Corporation employee. For 10 years, um, he works as vice president for the Lamont Refinery, and he is now a freelance consultant uh, for Sitco. For, Jim, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. No problem. Enjoy being with you. Yeah. Well, Jim, tell me a, a little bit about your story, um, maybe pre-Sitco, if that's okay. Tell us, where were you born? Um, where were you going to school? And how did God lead you towards Sitco? Yeah, so I... Uh I was born in Chicago and raised in Oak Park, and uh, I just turned 61, so um, went to uh, high school, actually, in Downers Grove. We moved out to Downers Grove when I was uh, just graduated eighth grade. Okay. And um, ended up uh, going to, to two years of junior college and uh, ended up going to be a policeman, of all things, for mm-hmm. a while. Wow. And wow. Did, did that for uh, a little, around a year. And then uh, felt a draw to go out of that. Wasn't sure why. And then I am going to work at the refinery, uh, which is in Lamont, and uh, at that time was owned by Unical, mm-hmm. which had the orange 76 ball stations. Oh, yeah. And uh, worked there, uh, started in 1980, and hired in as an operator, worked a union job, shift work, uh, and uh, 1984 was promoted into, into supervision. And really, God kind of, I think, directed my career as I worked my way up into different positions um, through the refinery. And in 2008, November of 2008, I was appointed the the vice president plant manager for the facility, which uh, is pretty rare in the industry because I don't have an engineering degree. And most of the managers and people that I worked with and at that level were engineers. Hmm. So, what um, as as you're looking back at your some you, at your career, um, Jim, what are some of the ways that your faith integrated with the work that you were doing? Oh well, I mean, I, for me, it, it the whole thing was uh, I could see God's hand involved. Yeah. Uh, prior to prior to like 1991, prior to that, I was not a believer, and. Uh, you know, working 60 hours a week and uh, my family suffering for the work. And uh, my wife and I really struggled with that. And so we we sought out some uh, some counseling and ended up uh, becoming Christians because of that. Mm, wow. And that was a great turnaround for me at work. It really changed the way I approach work. It really brought, um, you know, a different meaning to um, work-life balance. And from there, I just saw, you know, uh, my career really develop 
and then uh, get promoted, promoted into management positions and, and leadership. Can you, sorry to interrupt you, Jim. Can you talk a little bit about that? So that's about 25 years ago, I guess, when you came to Christ, but ways that you saw that journey, um, you know, faith and work and integration um, and the relief that that was to have more of a purpose and calling, I guess. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, so prior to um, coming to faith, um, that that whole work was it, right? Work was everything. It was a focus. It was, um, you know, you, you stop at home, you do the family stuff enough to get back to work, right? Sure. But when you're at work, your mind is, is, is going 100 times, 100 million miles an hour, and you're thinking of what's the next project, what's the next work effort, Um there's really not a balance as the, the work hours and home hours become blurred uh, in the middle because you're always looking and thinking about the responsibilities and what you have. And for me, success at the workplace was how I um, got my value. You know, that's where I saw my worth internally um, was to succeed, work hard, succeed, and, you know, I rationalized that as I was providing for the family. Mm-hmm. After coming to faith, um, you know, it just, it's, it's just like it all stopped. Mm-hmm. It's like everything just kind of just fell down, and I had to reorientate things. And, you know, I think as everyone knows, it's, it's a process, right? It doesn't, right. it's not an immediate change, but that process was just fantastic uh, of, as, you know, starting to, delve into scripture, learning biblical principles, and then working to apply them both at home and at work. And I think that people at work really started to see the difference. Hmm. So as as you, you know, before you, you really have conversations with you in mind, right? Everything is sure. self-focused because you're sure. thinking about hmm. how can this person I'm talking with, whether it be a support group, uh, another line organization or someone that works for you, how can this person help me achieve what I'm trying to achieve? Hmm. But as a believer, you start to you start to care more about that person, and so you start to foster open and honest communication. Yeah. And that really, and what I believe is that really had a profound effect from people that I've talked to as they saw a change in me over those years. You know, as I started to value everyone's contribution, instead of just seeing them as something to get through or to get me towards what I needed to get done, instead valuing them. So when someone talks to you, um, you know, there's a genuine caring. There's a different level because you're caring for them, uh, not just on a, on a secular side, but also spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. Good well, stuff. well, you're listening to Up Next on AM 1160. I'm Jimmy Lee. My co-host today is Doc, Dr. John Feeder. We're glad to have Jim uh, Christman here online with us as well, too. So, Jim, like, one of the things, forgive me, I, I, I for, for our listeners who maybe don't understand um, what goes into a refinery, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, you, can you tell us a little bit of what is it like to work in a refinery? That's good. Yeah, yeah. Inquiring minds well, want to know, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, oil refinery is a very large, complex place. Um, 
the, the Cisco refinery has about 1,200 acres, very large facility, wow. uh, between five and 600 employees with another six to 700 contractors every day. It's, uh, the work is outside, and there's a lot of pipes and a lot of big towers and vessels, a lot of tanks. Uh, you're working with uh, potentially hazardous chemicals that have to be managed properly. Um, you're working with a diverse work group. You have everything from laborers to welders to pipe fitters to accountants to engineers to electricians. So uh, it takes a lot of unique skill sets to keep the plant running and operating. And uh, as I said, there's a safety component that goes into it every day. So how do you manage all of this, right? Like, and, and forgive me, um, I, I've I've managed organizations where there are union workers. I've managed organizations where there are safety concerns from OSHA and Department of Labor, where government is really kind of having their eyes on you, right? So one of the things that I've started recognizing is there's all these standards and procedures that we work in, even with union workers, right? Like, they all have a focused job responsibility in quite honestly, there are times where they're not going to steer away from that particular responsibility that they've been tasked by unless their union rep gives them a okay to do that. How do you help a person find their purpose and build trust and accountability and community in an atmosphere like an oil refinery? That's good. Well, I think you have to, uh, I mean, first I think for me, I was a union worker. I was a union steward. So I came up through the plant and in that environment. So uh, I had an appreciation for the field and what went into that. I think, uh, in addition, you know, when you start uh, really digging into the details and listening to what people do, what are their issues? So as I, as I became, you know, a manager of different positions and different groups, uh, after having I'm a Christian, I cared more and took more time to listen. When you hear the details, uh, it really, really developed more of an appreciation when someone goes through. So you have to see uh, the work environment from all sides. So, you know, as a refinery manager, I felt that, you know, when someone came forward and wanted to put together a policy or procedure standard, that it had to be looked at from all sides. Mm-hmm. You know, what does it mean for the, the guy with the wrench in his hands? What does it mean for the, the engineer, the supervisor? You know, how does it impact everyone so that you, you don't just um, make decisions but then have unwanted ramifications later? So you really need to get their input. And, you know, there's two ways to do that. You can check a box and say that you've talked to people or you can really value what they say. If you value what they say and you care to listen, then you want to help make things the best that they can be for all involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a 30-second break. You're listening to Up Next on AM 1160. I'm Jimmy Lee. My co-host today is Doc Feuder, and we'll be right back with Jim Christman online. You're listening to Up Next with Tommy Lee on AM 1160, Hope for your life. Well, welcome back, friends. My name is Jimmy Lee. I'm 
sitting in for my brother who is out of the country this weekend. My co-host today is Dr. John Feuder. Hey, Jimmy. And we, our special guest today is Jim Christman, former executive um, with Sicko Petroleum. Hey, Jim. We're wondering, so many years that you worked with Sitco, what were some of the most rewarding moments, if you could uh, help us understand that, during your years at the refinery? Uh, yeah, I had a few of them. Uh, hard to remember all of them, but a couple big ones were we do large what we call turnaround events where we bring in anywhere from uh, 800 to 2,000 workers and we set up these huge tents and we do work out in the plant. We shut parts of the plant down and have all the workers go in and inspect and make modifications and make uh, repairs and um, worked with a couple of our employees to uh, start a prayer meeting before the, the workers went out. So. Wow. Uh, we'd have a safety talk, and there'd be, you know, like I said, hundreds of workers, up to five, 600 in a tent, um, and we, we set it up to where there would be a, a prayer before they went out to work, and we, we'd say, you know, we're going to pray, uh, anyone wants to stay, and we'd see 98% of the people stay. Wow. And then we'd have uh, a few prayers for the group and for the work, and we actually brought in, uh, during that time, because a turnaround would go six to seven weeks, we brought in different uh, pastors from the community to pray nice. at different times, and we did that at the night shift and day shift. Wow. So that was a, a really good uh, time for me, just working with uh, a number of employees who are also believers mm-hmm. and um, trying to bring the power of prayer to our workplace. I love that. I love that. And then uh, just help foster a, a prayer it was very supportive of a group that got together every every Thursday at lunch, and they'd have a prayer study meeting, mm. and that's still going today. And that's awesome. uh, you know, there's a large mail group, email group, and they send it out looking for prayer requests. And wow. you know, they were praying for me, and I was working with them, and very supportive of that effort. And like I said, that continues on. Um, and then during some of our our real tough times. Uh, I would get a number of employees, and we would pray in my office mm. before the start of the day, and uh, we'd do that through periods yeah. where we had heavy workload or uh, a trying time with an uh, emergency shutdown or some event or issue. Mm. And so, just just trying to continue to connect, um, you know, my faith with the workforce and with the workplace was uh, was real meaningful to me. That is so good. Jim, I know that you've accomplished quite a bit in your career. Would you say some of those moments with staff helping to launch those prayer times and Bible studies, would you say some of those times were the most meaningful for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, another thing that I did is I tried to find a a person in the refinery who I could connect with. and, And, you know, over periods of time, God brought several people to me. And so, you know, once a week we would go to a local place for breakfast mm-hmm. and just study and help mentor. And, you know, that, that was very rewarding to me. I really treasured that time above a lot of the work process. Wow. Um, a few years back, um, I, I actually walked around the refinery praying that the Lord would lead a, me to invite a study group and that uh, I, I led a group had 14 members, and, you know, I ended up with a couple of security guards, 
couple operators, a crane operator, a contractor, a local fireman. We ended up meeting off-site in a, um, someone's house in Lamont. We did that for a year. Wow. And through that study, we saw four people come to faith. Wow. That's and so good. That was, that was real a really great time for me personally. Wow. I'm noticing, too, and we had a few questions that we had alerted you about. You, The safety record was exemplary, wasn't it, at the refinery? Now I'm thinking the intentionality of prayer and prayer walking through the site and the relationships you had with your colleagues, co-workers, that maybe was part of that, huh? Um, it was Were you seeing safety records that exceeded the norm in many ways at other refineries? Well, I mean, I, you know, uh, we had our issues at times, but over the, over the long haul, the refinery was extremely safe. And we were in the top few of the refineries in the country. Wow. And um, Sitco awards a president's award for the safety of its, you know, refineries or other business units. And Walmart Refinery has won that probably 75 to 80% of the time. That's amazing. And, yeah, I, I do believe that, uh, you know, as as we lifted up a lot of the efforts um, and what was going on that, that God did bless that over time. And, you know, a lot of sincere work efforts and caring about people, I think translated to good performance. Makes sense. Totally does. Well, you're listening to up next on AM 1160. I'm Jimmy Lee. My co-host today is doc feeder. We're grateful to have Jim Chrisman, former executive for Sitco on the phone with us today. Hey, Jim, can we ask you something, too, that kind of builds on all this? As as you, By the way, I'm 62 years old, so I'm feeling this age thing, just <laughs> so you know here. Um, um, what would be some of the most, um, maybe one of the best pieces of, of advice that was given to you as you look back o- over years, something that stayed with you, something that kind of kept you on point, I, probably a number of things, but is there something that comes to mind when we ask that best piece of advice that you were given that you could share with our listeners? Well, it's actually, um, I had I had someone um, early on in my career who was uh, uh, vice president over, at one point in the refinery's tenure, we were a joint venture small company called Univen, and uh, one of the, the senior executives talked to me about um, the refinery really being a family, mm-hmm. and that as in a family, you have um, some kids who excel at stuff and others who don't, some who might be uh, learning disabled and others who might be gifted. And he said it's up to the leadership of the family and the refinery to integrate all of that That's good. into, you know, one cohesive unit that performs. And I'll tell you, from that advice, I really valued what everyone does. Mm. So, you know, I valued the janitor or the person fixing the, the, the doorway nice. as much as, you know, the highest paid engineer. Mm-hmm. And if you can think like that and you have a, a you know, a, a value of everyone being intrinsically important to what goes on, it does change how you approach things. And, and look at things. Um, so that was that was really important to me. That's good. Jim, um, so I go to a church, both Doc and I attend a church called Park Community Church. Um, 
in our campus, our pastor um, uses the definition of family as he describes our particular campus that we're a part of. So our campus is composed of a number of different people who are living in the South Loop. Um, and in that particular community, we have some people who are really wealthy um, professionals. Um, we have people who are living in homeless shelters um, from the Pacific Garden Ministry out there. And then we also have some people who are just recent um, transients from college or grad school. Family is great. How do you, and, and I think even as you're talking about your work um, with Sitco, you're looking at people with value. How do you get everybody else? to buy in that they're part of a family, right? How do you get the person, the engineer who's making six figures to recognize that the work of the janitor mm. is just as important? That's good. It's true. Well, so by, if leadership has, associates a value, and part of this, I think, is being a believer to everything that goes on so that when you, lead and when you talk about things when you make decisions if you include that point of view and include that that helps right because Mm -hmm. that goes throughout an organization people sense and know what leadership is focused on and pushing and so if if you value uh the guy the working man's opinion well guess what your supervisors start to sense that and know that and it does change how they act uh, another thing is, for me, we we had uh, corporate social responsibility, working with charitable organizations and involvement was at one level when I took over the plant, um, and we, we took that to a completely different level. You know, we increased contributions a hundredfold. We got our employees involved through working in the communities. We formed a... a an action team that went out in the communities that helped people. We started working with um, uh, Christian Ministry and Joliet to help serve meals, to do birthday parties for children without uh, any, you know, either a parent or without resources that lived in the shelter. Um, we started a men's group, and I was, you know, really supportive of using our facility and getting our men involved. And what I'd see in a lot of these efforts is you would have people throughout the organization. It wouldn't be just white collar, be white collar, blue collar. It would be the clerks. People would get together and do service projects together. And that really, um, you know, put a focus on everyone's value and worth to help. We're helping those less fortunate. We're helping the community. We're getting involved. And, you know, we were able to work in some of, uh, organizations that had a ministry focus yeah well jim thank you so much for sharing your story yeah, and jim, we are so you. blessed by you mm-hmm. you're listening up next on am 1160 and we are so grateful that you're able to join us join us next week you've been listening to up next with host tommy lee getting to know another influential leader to hear past episodes visit upnext.city that's upnext.city. Join Tommy for Up Next, Saturdays at 3.30 on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.